you are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Coming up on the Roundup, a first look at Dominaria United and the return of Lost Legends, plus Omnath promos, Explorer Anthology, and a 100k grudge match against Post Malone. All that and more is coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, joining you from the Twin Cities, and I am joined by my man from the Southern Continent. He is Emmy or Mordekaiser online. What's going on, buddy? Hey, yo. How's it going, David? It's been a while. Yeah, great to see you. See, now it's been together. Great to see you. So crucial. Yeah. Coming all the way from the South, where I'm just here, hiding my beautiful stove and hoping it never gets cold again. <laughs> Well, we hope for that in Minnesota, too. We just know it's, you know, winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> winter is coming. Beware. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we are joined by the CEO of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. He is Caved In Online, Daniel Schriever. What is up, my friend? Hello, my friends. It's been a while. Yeah, great to see you guys. Yeah, so we've got almost a full crew. I say almost. I asked Damon if he was free today, and he said he's got a mountain to climb. Like, literally, he said he's really focused on these next few peaks over, I don't know, the next month or something. He's got, like, a guided tour of... I think he said he was going to try to summit Rainier, which is definitely a very challenging technical climb. Yeah, it was an answer I never expected, you know? Because a lot of times you expect people to say something about why they can't show it, and focusing on climbing was not an answer I expected. <laughs> you just don't know Damon well enough. That's like, <laughs> I would have guessed that would be the answer. <laughs> but yeah, three is not bad. Three hosts is not bad. Three out of four, because can we actually count Zach nowadays as one of us? So we're like 75% in, which is like quite a number. We should have had him like make camp, you know, like on the uh, exposed cliff face. Then he'd probably get internet and then he could like call in. <laughs> Like some of those like haunting calls from dudes that are just slowly dying on Everest or whatever. <laughs> just like, um, I think uh, this card should be banned. Also, I'm really thirsty. <laughs> we did need to get satellite phones for both Damon and Zach so they could call in for these episodes because we wanted to hit some of the big topics in MTG this week. We are kind of in the summer doldrums. We do have some new cars to talk about from Dominaria, just like a handful, but we're still, what is it, three three or four weeks away from the official kickoff of that preview season. We have, I think, a few cards. We have the still to be see if it's a leak or a false leak regarding a card, which I don't know if you guys have seen because it was pretty under wraps. And then we have the lore, and the lore has been mostly spoiled, almost, which is the best, the next place worker to be completed. No. Oh, hold it. Hold your horses there. No spoilers. Oh, Spoiler-free zone. I was holding a lot of info, which I haven't told you guys. <laughs> I have all the Dominaria secrets. <laughs> okay, I'm choosing not to hear any of this. I'm just going to put my head in the sand. No, no, 
No, no, no. When no, we start no, saying no spoilers. spoilers, it's gonna come with a spoiler warning for everybody that wants to avoid it for like 30 seconds as I spew random stuff that might or may not come from out of my ass. And it's only between me and God if it's right or not. So, spoilers aside, we have plenty of official stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll take a look at the official Dominaria first look. <laughs> Other MPG news as well. I mean, I think there are some promos they've announced. Pioneer Anthology, the first one. What did I say? Not a Pioneer Anthology. Explorer. Explorer Anthology. Explorer Thank Anthology. You. It's Pioneer with extra steps. Definitely not Pioneer Anthology. Explorer Anthology, we even have whispers of a $100,000 grudge match coming up. And we have as well some of the decks that David and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. We got a chance to test them out and we will tell you about how those went. And of course, some magic drama for you, or those of you who are not on Twitter and just like enjoying the drama. So definitely a grab bag of topics today. Well, what's more beautiful than just topics all around? Yeah, so before we get into all that, though, we have to, of course, do some housekeeping at the top of the show, and we need to welcome in our newest patrons, and there are a bunch of them, so a big welcome to Joshua R., Joseph F., Chad B., Martin B., John B., are they all related? We don't know. We're preserving (laughs) identity. Miguel V., Patrick C., and a big thank you to Stephen H. for increasing their pledge. So yeah, that's a bunch of new patrons. Uh, welcome. Just a quick reminder, anybody, if you enjoy the show, you enjoy what we do, and you'd like to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Uh, if you join, you get to A, support the show, obviously. You get to join the uh, Discord. Um, you get other fun perks. There's a bunch of merch. And right now, voting is live for our next Brew Around card for our monthly project. Yeah, it's it's picking up. It's getting intense. And Said by our patrons themselves, they agree that this may be the spicier voting so far because there's a lot of amazing cards. And some not-so-good ones, which I'm not going to get into because I'm just going <laughs> to get into a fist fight with Dan. Yeah, so even if you're not planning to vote this time around, definitely go back and check out the episode from... When was it? Monday? Yeah. Emmy, myself, Brian Madden, Arun Singh, the guys from Serum Visions, we went through... A couple of times, actually. <laughs> Took two <laughs> takes, but we eventually got through all 16 cards that are on the ballot this time, and there, there are some bangers on there. It'll be hard to choose. Yeah, you know, uh, democracy uh, continues to fail in the Western world. This is a place where it still works. So, you know, if you feel like your vote's not counting in uh, rural Alabama or whatever, this is a time to get on the horn. Vote. All the votes will be counted. Audited. <laughs> We're ready to roll. <laughs> so, David, I'm curious, which card would you vote for, or which three cards? I do not want to influence the voting. No. So much much like Bono, when he uh, says he can't uh, express any preference for the president because he has to work with whoever wins. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he, I think he said something like super douchey, like, you know, I've taken a vow of neutrality. I'm going to follow his lead. <laughs> okay. Shout outs to Joshua Tree, one of the great records of the 80s. Shout outs to Joshua Tree. <laughs> you got to influence the vote. You got to let people know what you love. No, this is for the people. Yeah. This isn't David Robertson manipulating. I can I can brew around whatever card I want at any time. I can just tell Dan, like, I've got three brews built around Thraven Inspector. Like, it's all we're doing this week. He's like, it's not manipulating. It's fuck, manipulating I guess that's what we're if you hide info. If you just say, mm, I would feel more comfortable regarding XX and Y. Like, you can just say, exactly as I said before, people don't vote for unexpected results. <laughs> 
that's not manipulating. That's me being an asshole. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm looking at the tallies so far. Not to give anything away, but I, th- I think you'll find that the results are unexpected. Unexpected? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to lose this voting so that McCarland is going to be my own fault. The more I complain about unexpected results. So I'm going to quote a great, a great phrase from a great movie, Kung Fu Panda 1. One over meets his destiny in the roads he takes to avoid it. Is that Master Uguay who says this? That's Master Uguay when Shylong escapes because the, he gets the feather from the bird they sent to try and keep him there. But see, isn't that, that's the sort of like archetypal story, right? Like in Willow or whatever, you try to kill the child that was, you know, foretold to kill the prince. And then, of course, that leads the child to kill the prince. Eventually, yeah, become powerful enough and dedicated enough to do so. So that's just Oedipus. That's just Oedipus. How do you say in English? Yeah, Oedipus, yeah. Yeah, but it's Oedipus with extra steps. It's Oedipus, but less weird. Yeah, it's sort of like the hero with the 10,000 faces, uh, sort of the archetypal hero's journey. Yeah. So, disregarding the absolutely crumble face about how I'm dooming my own fate by saying that card, please don't pick that card, and someone's completely inability to affect the voting by giving his opinion, which some would say it's cowardly, Sam, <laughs> it wouldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> We can move to, I don't know how to refer to the melange of stuff we're doing today. We're discussing today. Popery. <laughs> the popery of stuff. And I think I want to start with something that's not on the outline because it happened like two hours ago, but it's some beautiful Twitter drama. Oh, boy. Just a spicy, tiny little bit of Twitter drama because it keeps me alive. All right, here we go. Hit us. So there's this guy who I didn't even hadn't heard of until today that posted... <laughs> Bart Van Eren posted he was offering coaching. He is a legacy grinder on MTGO alongside a, used to be a paper grinder. And Sean Ryan Hamilton, who is like the death and taxes expert in MTGO, just went like, post a video of him cheating a few years ago. And, and bro, that's many more things, including how to vampiric tutor with your fetch lands. Casting vampiric tutor off your fetch lands? There's a video of the guy quite literally fetching, putting Terminate on the top of his deck, not handing his deck to the opponent, drawing the Terminate and using it. Oh, and paper magic. Yeah, paper magic. Yeah. Oh. Like, quite literally. Like, this are video and it's, like, extremely obvious. Like, no doubt. You just see the video, it's quite... Even if you're playing against him, it's quite obviously cheating. Cannot tell how the opponent didn't realize. So the, op- the guy went ahead, deleted his post, and if that had been it, we would have forgotten about it. However, the guy blocked Ryan Hamilton, posted the post again, and of course everybody was like, hey, everybody just saw what happened. And he was like, yeah, I got punished for this, did 18 months, got suspended. So everybody was like, oh, okay, so you're admitting you cheated, that's it. He was like, no, no, that was just a sloppy play, and I got punished. (laughs) I try to try to resist, like, ad hominem stuff, but that guy gets under my skin. Uh, Bart, whatever his name is. That was the problem, because and the best comment, and that's what I was piling up to, eventually, the most beautiful and unaggressive person shines against him and goes like, so the phrase is, I did not cheat, I just played it really sloppy and got punished for that. And Robert Taylor goes up, shut up, man. Are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> and when fire shoes is against you... Well done, Fire Shoes. When Fire Shoes, the guy who is also going to Fire Shoes, if you want to see him playing snakes in his next tournament, he's receiving donations to play a snake deck. 
amazing guy. Please, they are not for him, they are for the... Extra Life fundraiser, Extra Life for Kids. For Extra Life, exactly, for racing. Yeah, Robert Taylor raises a huge amount of money for them. He's fantastic. That's exactly. So when, once him is completely against you and completely ratios you because his comment is the most liked thing alongside all comments and the publication, you know you're in the wrong side of history. So I will just, since we're piling on to this guy, I will add my two cents. <laughs> so a Bart fan, whatever his name is, his Magic Online name is DM4X. He's one of the top Magic Online grinders. He's super annoying. Like, you'll run into this guy, and he's one of those, like, entitled grinders who expects you to, like, concede to him in these spots, and then he'll, like, gripe and complain about it. And it's just, like, a really unpleasant experience to know that these people are out there. I assume this is, like, his job. He just plays Magic Online all the time. But I was playing some Pioneer Challenge, which I I rarely do, but I was doing really well. I think it was, I must have been 6-0 or something, going to the seventh round, and he gets paired against me, and so he's, like, pestering me to concede to him. You know, right, like he deserves it because I'm already in, so like I should concede. I just didn't respond to him. I just played the match, beat him. Within minutes, like his little buddy gets on my Twitter and starts being like, never concede to this guy. Cave Dan's a dream crusher. You're out of our group now. We're, you're never going to get any concessions from us. And I'm like, all right, block, block. <laughs> like, I can never. Where the hell are you people? <laughs> I can even heard of the guy. I will never concede to you, and I expect no concessions from you. I, in fact, I hope we never communicate ever again. I had never heard of the guy before this happened. And the best part is one of the comments literally goes what I was assuming. Because as he said, he got punished. Everybody was like, okay, so I read this as I cheated. I got punished. I made a mistake. It's been a while. Let's move on. But the guy was saying, I didn't cheat. Let's move on. Like, just admit you cheated. Be a grown man. Admit what you did, try to rebuild your status, because you're actually a good player. You have amazing results of MTGO, just not be an idiot. Being an amazing player at Magic Online does not redeem you from... No, no, exactly, but he could redeem himself if he just said, yeah, I used to cheat, I'm sorry, it was a mistake in the past. I have outgrown that. It's such a much more mature thing to say that I didn't cheat, it was sloppy play. (laughs) Also, just a reminder, always cut your opponent's deck, man. It's just, there's never a reason not to do it. I think people get out of this habit. You're trying to play fast because you're so used to the chess clocks on Magic Online. Always cut your opponent's deck. If it's your brother, if it's my father, if it's my mother, I'm cutting the deck, man. There's just no reason not to do it. It, Everyone feels happy. You have to change the top card of your opponent's deck after they present it to you. So, yeah, that was my tiny amount of drama because it was just... Amazing to see how it developed minute by minute. It just went from something meh to the guy just making a full-on clown on himself. <laughs> All right, shall we return to the regularly scheduled... <laughs> yes. Happy news for the Magic community. <laughs> Returning to Dominaria. Dominaria United. We got our first look. Yes. What's going on with this set, David? What's the news? Um. Yeah, they uh, previewed... Five cards uh, that are all rare or mythic rare. Yes. They have a schedule where I believe the actual previews, official previews begin on the 18th of August. So that is more or less three weeks from today, depending on when you are listening to the show. And we are in the 30th anniversary of Magic's creation. So there's allegedly lots of throwbacks in Dominaria, including the announcement, which was that they found a bunch of old Legends cards in an, a warehouse that they have decided to thread into the existing uh, packs. 
just a quick reminder to everybody, even though Legends is a beautiful, very, very uh, sort of lusciously art uh, set, most of the cards in Legends are terrible. <laughs> yeah, unless you get like a Tabernacle, maybe you would prefer the normal Mythic than the Legends Mythic. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, unless you have a, a conduit to sell some of these cards or whatever, but you know, some of the worst cards ever printed are, are actually in Legends. Um, and even whatever, like Jedido Janin, like a seven mana vanilla five five, you know, that's hard to cast. It's it's you know, it's it's it was a different time. <laughs> it's still awesome though. Like it makes you just wonder, like if anyone's ever worked in a warehouse, which I have done, it is very easy to believe in the pre computer age. Nobody had a manifest of everything that's there, so it's very easy to believe that anything from the mid nineties could still turn up. Now I'm stunned the cards are still in playable condition. I mean, it looks like the packs were very well preserved. So that's just super cool. That's that is just like a random throwback to Magic's history. I don't think it has you know any anything to do in terms of like adjusting the prices or speculation or changing availability of cards. You know maybe there'll be a few more Crocuses uh, in print or something. But it's such a random set for people to claim that. And besides, you have never worked in a warehouse if you can't believe they found like fifty boxes lying around in like a corner behind three hundred boxes of Ixalan. It's like, it will happen. It's bound to happen. They were very concerned that people would not believe them. So they filmed almost every aspect of this. Like there's a, on the video, they have footage of like a guy wheeling like a full pallet of Legends cases. I'm not sure how many cases are in a pallet, but it's like hundreds and hundreds of boxes. Yeah. And then they film like the different people in R&D and throughout the company, just like cracking one pack each. The amazing thing about that video for me was just like watching them just like crumple up and destroy the packs, whereas like for years, like people have been bidding on like empty wrappers for the packs <laughs> for like the really old sets with you can't actually buy a sealed pack of legends. But if I could just like have the wrapper of a legends pack, you know, that alone is worth 50 bucks or something. <laughs> There's like mangling these one after another, just like ripping them to shreds. <laughs> like, oh, I got a kobold. <laughs> a kobold. So those will be in the collector packs. 3% of collector packs will contain um, one of these lost legends, as they call them. I love the name, though. Yeah, super cool. But what about the main set? We're concerned with Modern, with Pioneer. Well, regarding that, we have five beautiful spoilers alongside... I'm just going to go ahead and go back to this later. The basic lands are gorgeous. The glass-likes, five basics, are just beautiful. Stained glass, basically. Exactly. That. I love the mountain, the plains. I just want them. If only there was no cover. <laughs> First card up is Evolved Sleeper. Single black mana, creature, human, 1-1. One, one. And it's got that figure of destiny templating, or I guess Warden of the First Tree, Ascendant Spirit, depending on when you started playing. You pump mana into this, and it gradually acquires more skills. Starts as a 1-1 one, one human, Pay a black at any time you like. Evolved Sleeper becomes a human cleric with base power and toughness 2-2. Two, two. Pay one and a black. If Evolved Sleeper is a cleric, next you put a death touch counter on it and it becomes a Phyrexian human cleric with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. Then you can level it up again by paying one black black. If Evolved Sleeper is a Phyrexian, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and then you draw a card and you lose one life. Is this the first time you can get multiple death touch triggers on the same creature? Counters? 
Mm. <laughs> um, there's there are d- different ways to do it. This is the this is the only creature that can do it to itself. Yeah, exactly. Just go a lot of the touch counters on itself, like without extra stuff. Okay, just pondering the weird idea. Nothing else. <laughs> Asking the most important questions first. Asking the most important questions. Six mana get three death touch counters. Is it worth it? <laughs> so to my eyes, like this card is almost there. Like it's cheaper, I believe, than either Figure of Destiny or Warden of the First Tree in terms of becoming relevant. Yes. A hundred percent. This on turn three can quite reliably be because you can go turn one this, turn two, one drop plus pump, turn three pump as 3-3 death touch by itself and I actually think it's the best in that cycle right in the figure of I, or maybe the second best because the blue one is amazing do we have four now on that cycle we have figure warden yeah this is the fourth this is the fourth the spirit was the third this is the fourth I really like this one I think in pioneer I think it's a much better version of like the one two that you bump and against counters knight of the evil legion you think this is better than knight of the evil legion I think this is much better than Night of Demolition, yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think it's a better top deck. I think it's better in the mid game. Yeah, the, so the relevantly, this is a human. Night of the Ebon Legion is a vampire. So they both have some tribal synergies. Um, there is a multiple humans decks in Pioneer currently. Not all of them play black. It's worth noting that the uh, new tribal land, which has kind of made humans a thing you can do in Pioneer, uh, does allow you to activate it for any color to pay for human abilities. So that's very relevant because one black yep. black is not a trivial cost. If you're playing like five color humans or, you know, I don't know, black, white, red, like Marty humans. Um, Yeah. It, it's, it's really hard to say, you know, like I do love that if you play land every turn up the curve, you always have space to cast push and thoughtsies, which is the main reason to play black anyway. Yes. So is it just playable in, uh, like just as a, a mono black aggro, is that is that a possibility? I, I don't know. That seems a little far fetched to me. That that deck does not really exist anymore. But that's super cool. I also like the thirtieth uh, throwback vibes. It's one mana for a gob- Mons Goblin Raiders. If you pay two mana total, you get a Grizzly Bear. If you pay four mana total, you get a Hill Giant. Uh, these are like sort of the archetypal creatures in the you know like original revised Dominaria like pack. So. This, you know, subtly evokes that. It's not, like, too on the nose, but I, I definitely, like, picked up on that looking at the card. Hmm. I'm gonna stick to my guns and say this is pretty amazing. Just because the stuff with the other ones is, yeah, you could sometimes repeat the last mode, like, Warden can keep getting five counters, but the cost was extremely high, it was extremely prohibitive, and it didn't stack as well. In this one, in the late game, you can just, if you top deck this turn 5, you play it, you get into the second step, and next turn you might even put 2 counters and draw 2 cards. I mean, it's definitely better than Warden, <laughs> which is which was a terrible card yeah. and barely saw standard play. It's also the least mana restrictive. I think it's the easiest to use. Yes. So, like, the abilities are cheap. It's all one color. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to play Snowlands, which the Spirit One requires, which functionally requires a monocolor mana base. And it's not all of the same. Like, Warden... Like, the old three all ha- don't have colorless in their peeps, I think. Like, I are completely mana-intensive. Mm. I think Warden does have some colorless. But yeah, Evolve Sleeper is much more generous on, on that e- front. I mean, it's so cheap yeah. to activate. Tops out at, like, a pretty small size, right? So you, 
you've paid your four mana and you have a three three death touch. You're not scaring anyone with that. But yeah, I mean, I'm worried that like you don't get paid at all until you start activating the third ability. I mean, with activating it once, you have a four four death touch that drew a card. I mean, I think the reality though is that most human one drops are pretty bad. Oh yeah, yeah. In Pioneer, so they're just they're just vessels to carry plus one plus one counters from Aspirant and Lieutenant. And so if this is being compared to like Thalia's, or excuse me, um, Thraben Inspector, or that one two with training that uh, can like remove the counters to disenchant, which people have been liking, then I think this looks a lot better. Um, I actually really kind of like it with Extraction Specialist because if you squid hard enough, it does not need to attack to be giving you lots of value. Uh, eventually, they'll have to kill your specialist while this thing is sort of like growing in the background. So, yeah, just in general, I don't think this card is good enough to Dan's point and just to play like in a mono black aggro list. I just don't think that's going to happen. But as just any one drop at all is just a body that gets to absorb all these counters from Aspirant or whatever else, then this is fine because it also by itself on turn, you know, whatever. It's a way better top deck than like Thraven Inspector on turn six. This basically turns into a 4-4 a attacker that drew a card right by the time your next turn comes around. Better than Bloodsoak Champion? It's similar. Um, I guess it depends what you're expecting. Mm. If there's lots of exile effects, which there are right now, then probably yes. Okay. Well, that's Evolve Sleeper. So one drop, so we gotta like ask ourselves a question at least. It's not playable in modern. I, I wanna <laughs> emphasize that. I'm gonna say you're right, but that won't stop mono black coffers players from trying it and me losing a game to a 15-15 that drew 12 cards. <laughs> That's bound to happen, that will happen, and you will hear me tilt when it happens. <laughs> Disregarding that, I think every time you see a one drop, immediately you start contemplating if it's playable. That doesn't happen when you see four drops or five drops. They're like the complete opposite. They have to prove themselves. One drops immediately go like, okay, I need to consider this before I go on. Now, the next card they previewed is a two-mana mana dork, which historically those have not been very good unless they have hexproof, like Sylvan Karyatid or sometimes Paradise Druid. But David, you pointed out that this this creature might actually have some useful skills. So we're talking about the Lanomore Loam Speaker. One in a green creature, Elf Druid, 1-3. So two mana, 1-3. It has two tap abilities. The first one is tap, add one mana of any color. The second one is tap, target land you control, becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with haste until end of turn. It's still a land, activate as a sorcery. Yeah, so I think just on the base level, this reminds me a lot of Werebear. In the early game, it's a two-mana uh, mana accelerator. Unlike Werebear, it can make any color. And then in the late game, it becomes sort of a beater, right? Werebear, depending on the deck you built, could relatively quickly become a 4-4. This functionally turns a land, let's say, on turn 4 or 5 into a 3-3 three, three for you. And it could be, you know, whatever, an indestructible land if, if we wanted to get cute. But the the one thing that I find really interesting here is it works incredibly well with Jeskai Ascendancy. So Jeskai Ascendancy plays a three-mana sorcery that turns all your lands into creatures. And what that means is every time you cast a spell, you get to untap all your lands, and then they get bigger. They become 3-3, three, three, they become 4-4 four, four as you sort of cycle through your deck. Uh, Land of War Loam Speaker is like the, you know, homeless man's version of that where you can tap it, turn a land into a creature. Let's say that land is tapped. Then you cast Opt. Now you untap your Loam Speaker and the land 
home speaker becomes a 2-4, the land becomes a 4-4. Four, four. And then it, assuming you whatever with your uh, loot from your ascendancy and your, your opt, you find another spell. Land where a home speaker can again tap a land, excuse me, tap itself, turn another land into a creature, you cast another spell. Now all of a sudden you have like 12 power in play and you've only cast two spells with Jeskai Ascendancy. Um, so it gives you like a backdoor way to win games where they maybe you know, countered all your, your exiled all your sorceries from the game or they're, they're sitting on negates or, or, um, you know, mystical disputes or whatever. Almost like a split card between Sylvan Awakening and Sylvan Caryatid, like the mana dork that also functions as the finisher. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, if this untaps, it really goes like you just play this followed by two card trips and each time you activate it, it nets you an extra mana. So it, it like goes off really fast. Because first time you tap it, you just you net zero mana because you're just activating a land. Second time, it nets you one mana because that land untaps as well, and it just starts to go off. It also puts people in a bind. So, Dan, you, you made a great point uh, that I was sort of dismissive of, but uh, the more I thought about it, I thought that you were making a better point than I acknowledged. So I want to acknowledge I think you were right and I was wrong, which is that Sylvan Caryatid not being destructible, or functionally being indestructible, obviously there are edict effects, etc., Um means that if you have the uh, Sylvan Caryatid in play with Ascendancy, you're not threatening to actually kill your opponent, but you are basically generating like a ton of mana and your opponent can't interact with that. This is a really cool card because you add it to this deck that you typically want to board in all these non-creature destruction effects in against, but they have to keep them in just for this. This reminds me of when Jace Friends Prodigy was the best card in Standard and all these like control decks... Hmm. Uh, with planeswalkers would play it so what do you do are you gonna like keep in all your shocks or whatever the functional equivalent would be to stop lanowar loam speaker because it does threaten very very realistically a turn three kill it's very easy to actually do that with uh, lanowar loam speaker uh, into ascendancy if you cast three one mana spells you're almost you're almost doing lethal damage um so do you keep in your your you know whatever one red you know strangle effect just to kill loam speaker and then what does that mean for the rest of your sideboard? Because the, every other spell that you're trying to stop is, you know, a sorcery speed uh, thing that turns all the lands into indestructible lands. Well, Strangle's terrible there, and, and so is Fatal Push, et cetera, et cetera. So I like that it kind of actually puts them in that bind where, okay, it's worse in game one. It could maybe even be your sideboard plan instead of bringing in, you know, they often br brought in the uh, Monastery Mentor. This is almost like a Monastery Mentor that functions on your main plan for Ascendancy. I mean... Yeah, if you place these plus two, three spells, you're hitting for, what, nine? I mean, it's, it's definitely going to kill them. Although, I, just one question about... You said a turn three kill is possible, and I'm not sure I see that. If I play try on turn one, let's say, land or Lone Speaker turn two, on my third turn, I'll have three lands plus this available. I play my Ascendancy. How do I win from there? Won't I be tapped out? No, you can just... Well, no, Lone Speaker, Speaker accelerates. So let's say you, you don't even have the white land, whatever. You didn't draw the white land. So you play uh, red-green land, tap turn one. You play Lone Speaker turn two with a blue-red land. Then you play Lanowar, You tap your Lanowar Lone Speaker for your white, and your two lands are already in play. You cast Ascendancy. Yes. Then you cast. You play a land of any kind, or, or let's say make blue. You cast Opt. You untap Lanowar Lone Speaker. So now all my lands are tapped and I have an untapped land or speaker. Yeah, you cannot make it. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I, I had that wrong. But turn four, you could easily yes. do it. Yes. Yeah. Maybe... Uh, so you need to do something on turn one. 
Well, you don't. That deck does not play very many one drops other than the actual filter, you know, opt, consider, etc. Okay, no, so it's a turn for kill at best. Hmm. Well, in any case, I think it's definitely worth like revetting Jeskai Ascendancy with the Lone Speaker. I, I have been yeah. probably too dismissive of it because I was like that that deck doesn't want to play creatures that makes the opponent's removal good. But uh, I think David, you're right that it does actually create interesting dilemma for the opposing decks. The alternative card actually makes the lands indestructible, right? And this doesn't. Yep. So beware about that. Your opponent might just hold two push, and when you go off, just lose two lands and concede into the void. Hmm. Yeah, that might be pot. That might be a thing. So again, that's why this might be like the actual out of the board plan, as opposed to something like yeah. a monastery mentor. All right, three more cards, and these next three are probably not going to see that much play. Um, we'll just mention them. Temporal Firestorm, five mana sorcery, deals five to each creature and each planeswalker. It has two different kickers. One is white, one is blue, so it looks like kicker will be a returning mechanic. Uh, huge shocker there. If you <laughs> kick it, you can phase some stuff out, but I, I don't think this is a huge improvement on anything, so I'll mostly just skip that one. This is a callback. There was a specific type of creature in original Dominaria, whose name I can't remember, you guys might, which was a tribal creature which had kicker abilities that had really similar mana cost to this. The Volvers? Exactly. Wreck Volver. Yeah, the Volver cycle. The Volver cycle. So the Volver cycle was, in lore-wise, what united planeswalkers with different alignments as they were creatures made from that trifle between the different alignments. So this is why they are featuring here, for example, the Shaya and the Fairy, because they're complete opposites. It's two ally colors and they're opposite. Okay. So we might see more sorcerers like this with a main color at the, at the spell with kicker abilities from the two enemy colors because they're allies among themselves. I think the Jeskai Evolver was sweet. You got like a 4-4 flying lifelinker for <laughs> six no mana or something. I have no idea. First time I learned from them was when I learned this random fact a few days ago. Yeah, you know you're talking to an old boomer when they refuse to use the cons shard names that they insist on this calling using Raka, Dega, Seda, <laughs> yeah. Anna. And well, I didn't remember. I, I, yeah, I, I just remembered like what the mana was, but I didn't know the names. That's funny. No, I don't. I, I, don't, I didn't remember the cards. Also, this is a spicy. I think the only use this card might ever see is in a VTL deck, like Neve, because you can bring light for this and pay the kicker. Yeah, it's just the kicker doesn't do anything. Like I don't know. Yeah. You can preserve your Sylvan carry added. <laughs> it can protect something. <laughs> yeah, R Rack Evolver, six mana, five, five lifelink, <laughs> flying. <sighs> All right. How about the Shivan Devastator? X Red Dragon Hydra. Zero, zero, flying haste. Shivan Devastator enters with X plus one plus one counters on it. So it's like a fireball to the face that sticks around as a Dragon Hydra. I think uh, this card needed Trample, maybe. Um, in general, modular cards tend to be better than we think, right? So at two mana, this isn't impressive. At four mana, this isn't impressive. Well, you get to spend all the mana you have available, sort of in the way that the uh, human we discussed, right? Uh, one mana, one, one isn't impressive. A two mana, two, two isn't impressive. A four mana, three, three isn't impressive. But you kind of get to make it whatever size you have available. I just think we've actually learned that these modal cards, as they make cards more powerful, tend to actually not be that good anymore. That sort of shorthand the yeah. cards that are flexible are not actually how magic is played especially in modern cards that are incredibly powerful at exactly one thing um are are the thing that that actually dominates 
And so this card is a is a fairish card that I think just doesn't measure up to whatever you're going to compare it to. I don't agree with that take completely, but it's because I tend to look at cards like Solitude as a modal spell. Uh, maybe modal is not the right word. Well, one of the modes is zero mana, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly, but it's, it's like zero mana, discard a card, or like five mana. I think it's more of a power level thing rather than versatility kind of thing. In modern, you'd never want a five mana. Like, even best case scenario, like, there's not a single point on the curve where you want this. Three mana two is not good enough, and if you're paying six mana for something in modern, it's primeval titan and not a five five flying haste. And the fact titan players are going back to hydroid crosses in other sideboards means that there's a spot for this versatility just on something more powerful. So the only X creature that like ever sees any play at all is Mistcutter Hydra because it can't be countered and has pro blue. Um, this one can be countered, so it's just like yeah. It would have to have some kind of weird synergy we haven't found yet, and that that might come from like the dragon type line. If you really have a sweet Sarkon Fireblood deck that's just <laughs> been waiting for something to do with the dragon mana, which, I mean, yes, I am actually inter- interested in that as I say it out loud. <laughs> um, I do like the dragon Hydra creature type. That's super cool, and the picture of a dragon with a bunch of heads is very scary. But you know, if you spend three mana and get a, a two-two flying haste. <laughs> That was a common in the first time we went to Ravnica. What is that uh, dragon enchantment that gives all dragons plus three plus three? Oh, uh, yeah. Three in a red enchantment. Crucible of Fire or something yep. like that. Isn't the best dragon enchantment the one that dragons have haste and whenever a dragon enters, it deals damage equal to the amount of dragons to any target and it's two mana? Yeah. That's Dragon Tempest, yeah. I think yep. that's the best one. Yeah, well, I mean, you can play all these. And you're... Well, these are all wildly <laughs> unplayable, so we, we can put on... This becomes a one mana... The Lama Shigo amount of dragons you have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's enough about Shivan Devastator. How about the last card here? David, tell me about Jaya Fiery Negotiator. Jaya Fiery Negotiator. So the quest to print a good Jaya continues. They've tried to add a bunch of abilities to this one. We'll see if this makes it. So two red red for legendary planeswalker Jaya starts with four loyalty. She plus ones to create a 1-1 red monk creature token with prowess, so functionally a monastery mentor token. She minus ones to exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. A minus two, choose target creature and opponent controls. Whenever you attack this turn, there's a delayed trigger. Jaya Fiery Negotiator deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature. And then minus eight, her ultimate is you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy it twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. It's a plus one to make a mini swift spear. Well, a slow spear. Minus one to, gosh, I don't know, light up the stage, half of light up the stage. The tap ability from that one three red creature. (laughs) I don't think it's as unplayable as people say it is. And I think there's one individual in Magic Search that's going to play this. It's going to five over a bunch of times and some people are going to play it. I think in quite specifically M. Hayashi Red, this is better than Chandra Torch of Defiance. But he typically does not play Chandra Torch of Defiance, is that correct? But I think this is much better than Chandra Torch of Defiance. Okay. Because Chandra Torch of Defiance plus Mike Man ability is not that great. Chandra Torch of Defiance defense mechanism is a minus three, and it's a deck that tends to have a lot of creatures via Season Pyro and such. So the minus two can work. 
To me, that just says you you have not played much Chandra Torch Defiance. She's much better than this. <laughs> She's way better than Chaya. I don't think it's better if you have a board. I think Chandra is a better defensive midrange tool, and I think this is a better closer in a deck that has creatures. So you see this as the top end of a deck that's playing like one drop, two drop, three yes. drop, play Jaya. And I think Chandra is much better than a midrange strategy or another the curve of turn one creature, turn two creature, turn three creature, turn four Chandra is not as powerful as the same curve topping with Shy, I think. Especially if you're playing a lot of balls and such, where the prowess creatures actually are relevant. And a lot of bad cantrips and light up the stages. To me, it's like, what do I get the turn that I cast Jaya? So I'm definitely paying four mana to get my Jaya. Both the minus one and the minus two are like almost blank on that turn. They, mm. they do almost nothing. So it's like, I have to plus one. On the turn I cast Jaya. I mean, not quite. If you have a, if you have a board, the minus two is a removal, and the minus one is likely the best. I sorry, and the plus one is likely the best plus ability we have on a Red Planeswalker. Because all of them do nothing on the turn I enter. Four mana Chandra pretty likely does, not, does nothing. Three mana Chandra. She casts a stomp the turn she comes in. Yeah, I mean, her her being able to cast stomp comes up all the time, or use that mana to sacrifice. Uh, what do you call it? Blood, which has actually become quite common in the red-black mid-range deck. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm on Team Chandra for now. <laughs> this is probably better on turn five. If I can minus one and use this to hit my next land drop, I weirdly like that more maybe than Chandra. But yeah, I, I, think, I also just think like the plus one for the monk creature is fine. It just does less and less as the game goes on, right? Like, Swift Spear is not that good on turn four. It does remind me a lot of the original four mana Elspeth, which sees zero play in modern right now. I have seen several people playing like a version of that Obosh Red in modern with Chandra Heart of Fire as like their five mana Chandra. <laughs> have you guys seen this card? It's from M21. Yes. Five mana, five loyalty, plus one. It's like discard your hand, then yeah. it is all the top three cards of your library. Yeah, and then it like it shocks. Yeah, those are both plus ones. Better than I thought, and it's pretty cheap. I mean, for for sixty cents, I might pick up a place out of this. <laughs> so, seeing this four mana Jaya has caused you to decide to buy like the fourth best Chandra. I'm investing heavily in Chandra Heart of Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shayas, Shayas are terrible. Shayas like have like the worst track record for planeswalkers. I think I don't think any planeswalker has had a less playable planeswalkers. Yeah, it's tough. I really like the five mana one that made red to cast like instants and sorceries. It just there's nothing to do with it. Does Elspeth have the best track record? No, Gideon. Gideon has to have the best track record. Hmm. It's a white one. Uh, Teferi. <laughs> All right, so those are our first five cards from the main set. As Emmy mentioned, there are some sweet looking stained glass basic lands. Um, those are just gorgeous. Other stuff going on with Almanaria. Legends retold box toppers. <laughs> so these are not legal in Modern and Pioneer. These are just for the commander and casual crowd. But this is kind of funny. I mean, the the whole concept. I think David, you gesturing toward this. Like, I think Legends was the first set where they ever had gold cards, and yep. yeah. they correctly understood that gold is sweet and cool. But then they also, from that realization, figured they should make those cards cost more because they're cool. So it's just like these vanilla creatures with no abilities for like six, seven mana. I'm sorry, you have a, pips of each color. You have a six mana 
team, you have a six mana black creature that taps for blue and a seven mana black creature that taps for black. And they're like four fours. <laughs> the creature that taps for black is a five seven. <laughs> Why do you know that? <laughs> Riven Turnbull, baby. <laughs> Riven Turnbull, dude. These cards were just so sweet. The game was so much more evocative then, but the structure of the actual gameplay was much worse. So I'm just going to say that they went ahead and fixed some flavor issues they had. Because some nobles and it, and cards over the last, for example, Torwauki, there was a a character named Tor, Torwauki that was theoretically alive ninety years after the other Torwauki, and they didn't never express they were different names. So now they came ahead and named this one the Younger, so you can just assume it's this. In that previous lore, this was like the child. This was like the son of the other. I'm surprised they did not make these legal in modern, at least. It seems like these cards, they don't have any special text that references Commander or anything like that. And they're they're not freakishly powerful. They're very reasonably costed. No, I, I don't think these cards could be modern. I, I'm sorry, they could be modern, but not Pioneer Standard Legal. Yeah, but why aren't they modern legal? Just because? Because it's a lot of trouble and they just get in trouble whenever they do it for Modern Horizons. So I think they just stick to the fact that Modern Horizons is the only set that skips legalities. Except for the Lord of the Rings set, right? I mean, it's taking the spot of the Modern Horizons, so that's likely their excuse because there's no Modern Horizons that year. Also, I do think Ramirez de Pietro is a really powerful card. Ramirez de Pietro, Pillager, two black blue four three human pirates so this is already a massive improvement over the original ramirez which was i believe six mana for a four three first strike yeah yep. <laughs> so for, for a little bit less you can get the new ramirez de pietro uh he comes in gives you two treasure tokens on etb and you lose two life and then whenever your pirates deal damage, what what do you get to do? You get to play cards off your opponent's yeah. decks. That's pretty cool. Also, Torwauki, literally, 5 mana, 3 3 reach lifelink. Whenever a source you control deals damage, you deal an extra damage. And whenever you cast an inside or sorcery, you get to do two damage to stuff. So every spell you cast is a lightning helix at any target. But I mean, it's a 5 mana, 3 3, so it just dies to both. This card would see zero play if it was made modern legal. I'm not quite sure about that. I think maybe... But bolting stuff with every cantrip is a lot. Lightning Helix stuff. So 20 of these reimagined legends from back in the day. I mean, that's a nice nod to dinosaurs like myself. Yes, absolutely. Um, Any comments on Explorer Anthology? Wait, are you skipping the most beautiful card release in the past five years, which is the new Cryptic Command shenanigan trouble? Oh, yeah, I did skip down. My, my apologies. Sorry. How dare you skip my chunky green boy? All right. Store championship promos for the next round of store championships. Oh, <laughs> Spell Pierce. Very nice art. Gilded Goose. Terrifying art of like this golden goose with a trout in its mouth. And it's got golden little ducklings or gooselings. Goslings? Goslings. Goslings, dude. Come on. Killed the golden gosling. I don't know. There's the gosling. The goslings are really Ryan gosling <laughs> yes. is the golden gosling. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you win your store championship, you get a textless Omnath locus of creation. With beautiful giant beanie art. Look at the size of that bean. I honestly did not realize that Omnath was supposed to be like large. I kind of pictured him being the, roughly the same size as the Kool Aid Man. 
either of both like the promo and not promo in both you can see like the small islands you know that floating islands in Sendikar just being yeah. quite smaller than him oh I see okay yeah most magic artists use like scale birds but when Ahmed doesn't have those I can't tell how big he is there's literally I just need no birds. way to if know. I don't have birds I don't know how big my creature is exactly I will agree that previous Omnaths are really bad for like the green Omnath and the Timur Omnath and Cruel Omnath don't have any scale. Like, I would believe those were tiny. So this is also textless, which is, should be fine, except that Omnath has been rebalanced twice on Arena. So, <laughs> like, what does this card actually do, right? <laughs> this is the paper version of Omnath, correct? There's no, like, a QR code I have to scan to figure out what this one does? This does whatever you want it to do. This one hits creatures. With the first, with the third trigger. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, I assume this meets with your approval, Nord. I I love this card. I love this. I need four of this one. There was a funny tweet from Matt Sperling, who was sick of it on Twitter, who was like, "All right, I cast my uh, textless Butthulk, and then the opponent asks what it does. And you're like, this turn, it draws me a card, gains four life, and makes f four mana. And they're just like, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> that can't possibly be what this card does. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid that is exactly what happens. <laughs> I mean, if I play against a newer player and all of a sudden I go like, play this, draw a card, gain four life, make four mana, they might doubt my ideas. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> There's no way. Also, I do love how in this card, you, in this art, you can really see how, like, each hand is drawing mana from a different color. Yeah, that's cool. I really love that. Like Captain Planet. <laughs> Coming together. Why you gotta Earth do my boy like that, my chunky boy? <laughs> Captain Planet's a hero for us all. <laughs> all right, so we got a question on Twitter from Big Deck Energy. Who Big asked... Deck Energy. Exactly. A Yorian fan, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Asks us, do you guys have any plans on brewing or talking about Explorer on the podcast? It would be really cool to hear all your perspectives on the format, especially after we get our first anthology in a couple of days. And Big Deck Energy's prophecy came true. The anthology actually dropped a little early, but we have the full card list officially now. So, Explorer, Anthology 1. I mean, this is supposed to get the Explorer format a little bit closer to being Pioneer. Yeah, I don't agree with most of the choices. And I'm sure David is going to be on a much more angrier rant about <laughs> the format itself. My only problem is the fact there's no chance on Earth that I can brew on Arena. I don't have the funds, I don't have the time, and I don't have the funds. Especially I don't have the funds. That's a huge problem. That's a, that's a huge problem. Like, that's that's a problem. Brewing an arena would cost any of us a few hundred bucks, and that's at the lower price. Per deck. Yeah, exactly. No, no, <laughs> I think for a, a big amount, like, close to a thousand bucks, you can get, like, the whole up-to-date collection. But my problem is... No, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. Well, that's even worse. When I can just literally <laughs> pay, 
less than 50 bucks a month to have every single card on NTGO, it's a 50 bucks per month against a few thousand and that I have to keep paying different amounts whenever I want to build a new deck. It's not like a one-time expense. And that's the biggest problem with Arena, especially for us. Because unless you're actually grinding Arena since the start, it's almost impossible to get inside in a competitive slash brewing level. While that doesn't happen on MTGO. Yeah, and then even apart from the financial aspect, of course, there's the fact that we spend a lot of time on Modern, we spend a lot of time on Pioneer. It's really hard to wrap your hands already around two formats. Uh, there's a reason most podcasts really focus on just one uh, format, right? You have Pioneer Podcasts, you have Modern Podcasts. We do pretty deep dives into both. And Explorer is is going to eventually become Pioneer. So, like, let me predict for you what your Explorer deck should look like. When it becomes Pioneer, it should look like the decks we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're thirsty and I'm giving you an ice cube right now. It's future water, my friend. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Explorer is not a format. It's just Diet Pioneer. It has this artificial brief time period where it has slightly different cards available, right? The Finally, the second mana elf changes something. They don't have the delve cards, whatever. That all eventually will be printed. So Pioneer's uh, metagame is being defined on MTGO. And all that can happen from Explorer existing on um, Arena is them altering the actual Pioneer metagame because of the sort of predatory experience that is how they make money on arena yeah so what i was looking for from explorer anthology one was a sign from wizards or the arena team like like how seriously do they want us to take explorer as a format and how quickly are they going to try to get it to something resembling pioneer and the answer from this list of 20 cards is they don't they don't care at all <laughs> no. like, they gave like the absolute bare minimum like 20 cards six of those cards are maybe playable and the other 14 are just like nonsense like battle wise hoplite is one of the cards which doesn't see any play in anything <laughs> i don't understand why would you put cards like tainted remedy and shadowborn apostle right it's like it makes no sense those cards you know they don't they don't see play everybody knows they don't they won't see play so the answer seems to be like, well, they can milk it for more Explorer anthologies. And, you know, what's the rush for it? It's never going to, you're never going to satisfy someone that it's an exact match between Explorer and Pioneer because there's, you know, wherever you draw the line and say, okay, these are the staples of Pioneer here. You can have them now. Someone else is going to be like, but what about these cards? You know, this is like a little more fringe card, like a card we want to brew with that they didn't include in their list of Pioneer staples. So I kind of get from that aspect why they're in no rush at all to like give us staples, quote unquote, for Explorer. But at the same time, it means that we're just going to get this constant trickle of like what every two months, every three months, we'll get like six more cards into the format. And it's just it's not worth it for me to get invested in that. Not to say that it's not a real format, like you can still qualify for the Pro Tour off of it. Like if you already play Arena, I think this is probably the best format on Arena right now. This is not a tag. This is not an attack on the people playing the format. It's an attack on wizards for being assholes. Like, if you enjoy the format, it's perfect. And if you're playing Arena because I said over MTGO, absolutely. I would have done the same if I had started playing Magic today. Yeah, like if I had an Arena account that had a full collection on it and like I was motivated to like climb the ladder or I guess now you, you just earn play endpoints to qualify for the monthly PTQs. Yeah, I think... Explorer would be the format I would choose. And it seems like it's a fun format, but um, to answer Big Deck Energy's question, like, I also just don't think that we, the three of us, are capable or interested in doing it. 
But I mean, if there's a large outcry, I'll, I'll reconsider that. If you know, if people listening to this are like, we want to hear more Explorer, you know, let us know. We'll consider it. Okay, finally, <laughs> random random tidbit on Twitter. Do you want to play Magic against Post Malone? Well, do you? <laughs> I do. I want to play Magic with Post. I want to sit at the same table as Post Malone. So Talia Vess, popular content creator, is helping to promote this $100,000 grudge match against Posty. There's, you know, got to win the contest somehow. And then if you are selected for the contest, you get to... Uh, what is it? You like get a seat at the table of, of a commander game or something? I'm not totally clear on what happens. Yeah, and if you win the commander game... So, the whole thing, just for everybody to know, is organized by what not, which I'm not quite sure what it is. I've seen people use it for, like, they just open packs and stuff on whatnot, and people can buy slots from the packs. Okay, so it seems like a buying and selling stuff for card for all sort of collectionables and such. Box breaks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So they're using this as a sponsorship, and it seems like actually a great idea to get people interested. So you actually submit into the contest by scanning a QR in their in the website. Yeah, so let me pose this question to you. $100,000 on the line, you against Posty, and I guess two other people are also there. <laughs> what are you playing? What are you bringing to the table? Oh, I'm taking my, my Tasham. Or I'm starting to study competitive commander and just finding the perfect ADA strike, but I have a quite tested Tasham deck, which is like quite unknown legendary creature from Ikoria Constructed. <laughs> like, I don't even know what this card is. Absalom 1 for mana 3-3. Three, three. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, it does so with a Vigilance counter. So you remember why I was asking about the Death Touch counters? Mm -hmm. Pay 3 mana, remove 3 counters from creatures you control, mill 3 cards, get a permanent back with cost 3 or less. So for 3 mana, you get a Sun Titan trigger. That builds 3 cards and doesn't target. So is this like a pet commander of yours, or is this like a competitive EDH? No, no, it's a pet deck that has been like tested into Oblivion and I'm just trying to keep like optimizing. Also, fun fact about the Posty tournament, they have a no experience required. We have partnered up with MTC Legend Radio to whip our lucky opponent into shape to take Post Malone. So you get to get personally trained by Radio. I think it might be a huge incentive for a lot of people just to get to meet Radio. <laughs> Not Post Malone. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of magic boomers are more likely to submit just for the possibility to testing with Radio. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have briefly met Reed Duke. He seems like a very sweet man. Uh, he, and he seems to be, you know, the sort of one of the last vestiges of the people. I think he was elected to the Hall of Fame, like, right before it stopped meaning anything. Yeah. I think he's loved by the whole magic community. He's one of those guys everybody just agrees to love. I have never heard Ray Duke hate. Yeah, I haven't either, actually. Like when Jund is bad, people feel bad for him because he like he plays his pet deck and it doesn't do well. <laughs> Good old Sean. So part of the prize is you get like coaching sessions? Yeah, because this is same as a commercial, not only for magic players. So they say no experience required. So even if a non-magic player wins, they get trained by Radio to stand a chance against Posty. Interesting. Okay, so David question for you i know you're not like a huge commander player so if you don't want to like build your own commander deck 
which person would you choose to like win the contest and play on your behalf if you could stake one person? One non-magic player. <laughs> um, probably like Yellow Wolf, because he's like absolutely roasted. Um, cool. Post Malone in a bunch of uh, rap battles. So <laughs> I, I suspect I suspect he hasn't. Uh, he does not play. Would be my guess. I suspect he would like punch me in the face for recommending it. But he would love to take a hundred thousand dollars from Post Malone. <laughs> That's a good answer, David. I don't think I can top that answer. No, no, it's just one. I highly recommend everybody check out uh, Yellow Wolf's uh, Bloody Sunday Freestyle. It's on YouTube. It's a great <laughs> song. He absolutely goes in, goes in on Post Malone as a total culture vulture, who's a total fake rapper, classic like child for privilege, who like dips her toe into you know African American culture and doesn't really like appreciate it. Does does not credit you know collaborators who are people of color, etc. So. I have very little respect for Post Malone as a musician. Um, so wh- whichever rapper you like that has roasted him, there's, there's a handful of them. If you, if you want to pick a, a bunch of other rappers, that, I think that, that's the way to go. Maybe like Yellow Wolf like spits him freestyle. He like, you know, lightning bolts him uh, at the top that kill spell. Devastating. Well, I think that wraps up this show. <laughs> the task is clear. Uh, get in touch with Yellow Wolf or whichever <laughs> other rappers they've had mentioned. Make sure to get them on this whatnot drawing or whoever knows what that's all about. Because, yeah, that's that's worth the price of admission for sure. <laughs> just to see someone outdrop Post Malone and then beat him at Magic, just the world of two for one. <laughs> all right. So I think just looking at the time, let's wrap this one up here. We will postpone talking about those uh, Graces of Mardu decks that we tested. We'll come back to those in a, in a future episode. I think that'll do it for this show. On Monday, we have another great episode coming up because we've opened up the Brewer's Mailbag and solicited people in our Discord and the Faithless family to just lay it on us, you know, tell us what's on their mind, pose their most intriguing or philosophical questions, and we're going to just get through as many as we can. So David, Emmy, and myself will be back in just a few short days. Yes, sir. All right. Take care, gentlemen. Hey, everybody. Bye-bye. That's a wrap on this edition of Faithless Brewing. Tune in on Monday when we open up the Brewer's Mailbag and answer your questions about modern, pioneer, and everything MTG. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. If you enjoyed this show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.